Good morning, everybody. How are you this morning? Let's pray. God, uh, I'm praying this morning that hope would come alive, that you would just saturate us in hope, soak us in it, that there would be so much hope that we'd have leftovers, so much hope that we run into people that need hope, we could fix them a plate. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer. And all God's people said, Thanksgiving. Any of you eat good? Ooh-wee. It was the macaroni and cheese. I got in trouble with the macaroni and cheese. Now I got in trouble. My wife left and went to work. There were leftovers. And I was in the house by myself. Opened the refrigerator door, and there it was, cold, congealed, a big corner piece, crust. I'm having that macaroni and cheese. I pull it out, put it in the microwave, hit the microwave, pull it out, put it on a plate. There were two big pieces of macaroni and cheese, supposedly one left over for me, one left over for her. But I decided to do a finished work. <laughs> I finished it. I heated it up in the microwave and I left it in there a little bit longer so that the cheese was bubbling. Pulled it out, the cheese was bubbling. Let me tell you how I took it to that next level. I got some hot sauce. Anybody in this room ever use hot sauce on mac and cheese? Can I get a witness up in here today? I hit it with some hot sauce, strategically, not a lot but everywhere. And then I grabbed some mozzarella cheese. And I sat at that table by myself in my house and I ate all of her macaroni and cheese. I don't feel bad at all. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's start in the Bible. I got a text. We'll try to get in and get it done. Heck, I want some macaroni and cheese right now. I just fired my old self up. Colossians is where we're going to hang out today. We will land on verse 27. Paul is speaking to the Colossians, and he's trying to remind them, Jesus is all you need. And by the way, you do know that if all you have is Jesus, you got everything you need, right? And if all you have is Jesus, you have a cause for hope. As believers, we're not sub supposed to be torn up by all the things we see. The Bible talks about the signs of the time. 
Any of you believe we're living close to the threshold of something new? This is the way I was raised. Let's take a second. I was always afraid of God. I was always, I was always in this position where I thought God was waiting for a reason to cancel me. I needed to be good enough to be included. That's not God. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is what would happen for me. I loved it when my brothers and sisters would come home from college and boarding academy, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I remember this one particular Christmas, they were coming home and the weather was horrible. We were living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There was snow and ice and they were coming from a long way. And I remember listening to the weather forecast and we had the radio on and it was a blizzard and we were listening to the weather and my parents were listening to the weather and I was looking out the window. I didn't care about what the weather was because I was anticipating the arrival of the people that I loved. The weather was merely a fact, but it wasn't my future. Isn't that the way we're supposed to view what's going on in the world? We know it's gonna happen, but guess what? He won, and guess what that means? We win. I just needed to say that. All right, let me get this Bible app open and we'll get in here and have some fun today. Colossians chapter one. I'm gonna start at verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Paul goes on to say in verse 24, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. And then verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If I had to give a title, a hashtag, and summary to my message today, it would simply be this, hope is a habit. Turn to your neighbor and say, hope is a habit. 
What was a habit? Habits are born of practice. If you want more hope, you need to practice. And you need to practice so much so that it becomes automatic. Hope is a habit. We are all creatures of habit. We really are. We do the same thing the same way every day. Most people do. And many of us have good habits, and many of us have bad habits. Are there any people in this room today that have bad habits? Yeah. What's your bad habit? Are any of you sitting next to your bad habit? <laughs> we do the same thing the same way every day. In fact, Dr. Wendy Wood in her book, Good Habits, Bad Habits, said this. She said, fully 43% of our actions daily are performed without conscious thought. They're nothing more than automatic habit. About half of who we are and what we do is on autopilot. It's habit. I was reading this one article that said, we all eat the same 11 foods our whole life. We just act like we like variety. Ever been to the restaurant with that person? Every single time they want to see the menu, hear the specials, what do they do? They get the chicken every time. You looked at her because she knows you do that same thing every time. We are creatures of habit. So what I noticed was hope is a habit. There's some people that their reflex, you give them bad news, you give them a bad day, you give them a bad deal, and all of, them, all of a sudden they just go to hope. They just, they just have this hope. It's a reflex, not a response. Hope is a habit. And you know what else is a habit? Fear. You ever met those people, no matter what good news you tell them, they tell you why it's not good news. They go, but. It's a beautiful day today, isn't it? Yeah, but it's going to get cold next week. it! <laughs> Can we not just ride motorcycles today? <laughs> Hope is a habit. And it hit me when I hit rock bottom. Oh, delicious rock bottom. I was on my third rock bottom. There are all sorts of rock bottom. You have emotional rock bottom. You got a mental rock bottom, spiritual, financial rock bottom. Has anybody in the room ever hit rock bottom? Oh, yeah. Rock bottom is a great place of sorting. When you hit rock bottom, you experience the kind of love that cannot be canceled because when you know that God will love you there, you'll know he loves you anywhere. That's when I knew God really loved me, when I didn't have anything to offer him but my brokenness. And he said, I'll take that. It's also the place where you figure out who your real friends are. The people who are willing to love you at rock bottom, they're wonderful people because they see more of you than your brokenness. It's one thing when people love you because they have to, it's quite another thing when people love you because they want to. 
even when they know you. That's the kind of friendship that can't be canceled by tough times. And we need rock bottom so we can figure out just how much God loves us and we can figure out who our real friends are and so we can clearly identify all the haters. <laughs> Somebody said, I don't eat hater tots. <laughs> it was at rock bottom. I hit rock bottom. So 30 years ago, I moved to Knoxville after Hurricane Hugo in the Virgin Islands. I was living large, and then I was not. And I show up here, no car, no clothes, no furniture. Funny story was when I moved to the Virgin Islands, I took this great job living in a condo by the ocean. My mother, I told her what was going on, and I'm, you know, I'm like, Mom, I'm living down here. I'm balling. And she said, baby, don't, don't sell your couch. Don't sell my couch. I am balling. Nine days later, Hurricane Hugo hit the United States Virgin Islands, and for two years, I just, I was nowhere. I was nothing. I lost everything. And I show up here, and I'm living at one room in my sister's house, and uh, I was emasculated. No job. Had 300 bucks. Took $200 and bought myself a blue suit because my job, when I first got here, was to look for a job. So I rode the K-Trans or cat bus up and down Kingston Pike and dropping off resumes, begging people to hire me. I remember I went to church and uh, my wife had to wear one of my sister's dresses because we didn't have clothes. So she puts on this red dress that my sister had and we go to the church and one of those mean, nice church ladies was there. You ever met her? She's always got mints in her purse. But she pray gossips. You know what prayer gossip is, don't you? Pray for Halloran. I heard he's back on the bottle. <laughs> One of those mean, nice church ladies got a hold of my wife. Looked her up and down. She's wearing this red dress. She said, ooh, child, that dress looks so pretty. Thank you. You know when your sister-in-law wears it, it looks good on her too. <laughs> Couldn't buy my, my wife a dress. Didn't have anything. Rock bottom. And I remember I was sitting on the front porch of my sister's house, and my best friend, John Wright, was sitting right next to me. We've been best friends for 45 years now. And he was sitting right there in the middle of my rock bottom with me. If you don't have a friend like that, you don't have a friend yet. I remember sitting there that day, tears streaming down my face. And I don't know where it came from. I said, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. There was nothing going on in my life to justify saying, I'm going to make it. I was not making it. But something inside of me said, I'm going to make it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm going to make it. And I'm like, where'd that come from? It was a habit. It was a reflex. I didn't think about it. I didn't go, I need to have hope in this moment. There was just something in me that came out. It was my response 
but then it was my reflex. The difference between a reflex and a response, a response, something happens, you think about it, you respond. A reflex is an involuntary response. It's the step of 43%. It's just habit. You've done it so much, it's all you know. And I just said, I'm going to make it. Where did that come from? My father. I had watched my father lose everything. And I remember when he was in the middle of getting out of his rock bottom. Rock bottom is when you've fallen so far, there's nowhere left to fall. Rock bottom is a hole so deep that the earth can't move anymore because there's no more earth to move. Rock bottom is when you're way down there. Rock bottom is the place where grace puts on its best fireworks show. Rock bottom is where hope shows out. Rock bottom down there. My father said, I'm going to make it. There's no reason for him to say that. It's just what he said. Rock bottom is such a beautiful place, too, because rock bottom is not only the place of breaking, it is the place of making. There's a twitch and then there's a switch. That's something inside of you that just goes, I'm going to make it. And then you switch from that being rock, rock bottom to that being your bedrock. You take your brokenness and you use it as something to build on. Your brokenness is actually how you figure out that you're growing because you know what you used to be. You know where you used to be. My dad said, in the middle of his craziness, I'm going to make it. Before my father passed away, I asked my daddy, I said, Daddy, where'd you get that from? You say it every time. No matter what's going on in our life, I ask you, how you doing? What's going on? And my dad would say it every time you called him on the phone. Dad, how you doing? I'm going to make it. Reflex. I'm going to make it. He said, I used to hear my daddy say that. My grandfather, my father's father, who put this in me, right, was born in Chattanooga around 18, late 1800s. Best we know, he had a fourth grade education. He's five foot three, 125 pounds soaking wet. He was a little man. My grandmother, who I've talked about, was five foot three in every direction. <laughs> <laughs> When my grandfather was a little boy, his mother vanished. His father and his brother died of starvation with him in the house. So he crawled up under the house. Some people heard some rustling under this little house. They take a lantern and they see these two little emaciated eyes looking out. What was he looking for? He had a little hope. They pulled him out from under that house. They took him to an illegal institution, the Steele Home for Children. It was an orphan orphanage that had been created by Almira Steele. She was a woman from Massachusetts that took her great wealth and she decided her mission field was the poor people of the South. And so she decided to break Tennessee's laws. 
It was against the law in the state of Tennessee when my grandfather was a little guy to put a child of color in an orphanage. It was against the law in the state of Tennessee to take a disabled white child and put him in an orphanage. Elmira Steele scooped up all the leftovers and gave him some hope. Two kinds of hope. Hope the verb is desire accompanied by confident expectation. I saw hope on display the other day at a convenience store. Lady had a stack of lottery tickets. She went to that little lottery scratching desk. She put her elbow down, she arched her back, grabbed the nickel, and she went to work. I was watching her kind of peel away that layer to get to that number, and, and as the layers went away, you could see her eyes widening. That's hope. That's hope. The flickering, the, this might be my day. This might be my day. This one might pay off. Ever get to the point where you stop scratching? Stop trying. Stop believing that God, this might be the day for your blessing. That's hope. Hope the verb. But then hope the noun is the person or place of last resort. Here's where the miracles happen. When somebody that has hope runs into something or someone that is hope. And at the intersection of hope and hope is where the miracles happen. Elmira Steele shows up in Chattanooga as hope so that my grandfather who had hope would have a place for that hope to come alive. We were called to have and to be hope. To have it and to be it, to practice hope. And what I noticed was when I hit rock bottom, something inside of me switched. They tell me that the evidence of great fitness is your recovery time. We get you exhausted, and if you get back to stasis and your heart rate goes down rapidly, your recovery time is what tells me how fit you are. Spiritual recovery time really has to do with how quickly you get to the hope. Something bad happens to you. How many Mississippis does it take before you say, I'm going to make it? First time you run into some trouble in your life, it might take you five Mississippis. Bam, got hit in the chest. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi. Okay, I'm going to make it. Talk to an old person that went through World War II, the Great Depression. I promise you, if you talk to Mama, there are no Mississippis. You tell her, Mama, I lost my job. She goes, well, baby, at least you got your health. She always has a pocket full of well babies. Her hope is a reflex, not a response, because she's practiced it over and over again because God has been good to her over and over again. 
Hope is a habit. I was having a day a few weeks ago, and I just felt discouraged. I just, I just felt discouraged. The world seemed really dark. Everything I read on the news, everything people wanted to talk about was just negative. It was just dark. And I was just like, and then it dawned on me. Wait a minute, where's your hope, buddy? If you believe the bad news more than you believe the good news, if after you watch or listen to something, you end up with more fear than faith, it might be time to change channels. Practice hope. It's like, so what is hope? What does it look like to practice hope? Let me give you four things right quick. People that have the reflex of hope do a couple of things. Number one, people with hope are in the business of healing. H, they believe in it and they seek it for themselves and others. My scars and scabs taught me that. Cut my hand, decided to watch. I didn't press a button, but my body got to work healing automatically. The white blood cells rushed in, the blood clotted, a scab formed. It was going great until I picked the scab. When I left it alone, my body was on a rush to wholeness. It wanted to heal, so I let it. Think about Jesus' mission statement. He said, I came to bring sight to the blind, help the crippled walk, set free the captives. He knew he was stepping into a world that needed healing, so he brought hope. And people who practice hope, they're all about healing. Seek healing for yourself and others. Make it better. Oh, people who practice hope find their greatest opportunities in the obstacles. The absence of a needed thing isn't a crisis, it's a calling. If the world is running low on hope, we should be making more hope. If you got a widget factory and there are 100,000 people that want widgets and your factory only makes 50,000, you know what you do? You start a third shift. If the world is running a hope, low on hope right now, don't you think we ought to start a third shift? Look at what Jesus' response to darkness was as he's there creating the world. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It said darkness covered the face of the deep, but he didn't take time to tell you how dark it was. He said, let there be light. The darkness was an opportunity for light. When you walk in a room and there are a bunch of obstacles, you're supposed to bring the light as a habit. P, people who have the reflex of hope, they make progress. Jesus didn't leave people the way he found them. We find the man beside the pool of Bethesda, he's been crippled for years. Jesus walks up to him and says, do you want to be made whole? He doesn't merely say, do you want to walk? Because Jesus likes to finish the job. Walking is only halfway home. And before he leaves, this man is rolling up his mat and running on to tell somebody else, we should be making progress. And finally, people who live with the reflex of hope, 
They're all about encouragement. Encouragement is different than affirmation. Somebody might affirm you and say, oh, poor you. It's hard. Take the day off. You're, you're going to be all right. Really what they're saying is you don't have what it takes. So they just pat your back where you are. But when somebody encourages you, the prefix en means to make, cause, or create. When they encourage you, they're helping you make the courage that life takes. They're putting a fight in you for the fight in front of you. We're supposed to help people find their courage. Life grants no exemptions. There will be lima beans. It takes courage to get past the lima beans to get to the macaroni and cheese, trust me. <laughs> Healing, obstacles turning into opportunities, progress and encouragement. Hope is a habit, so is fear. You should practice hope until it gets to be part of the 43% of you, until it's automatic because you're gonna hit some rock bottoms in life, I promise you that. But here's one thing I know for sure, we're gonna make it. Thank you and God bless you.